Okay, amazing. Wow. It is so amazing to be back. Thank you, everybody, for coming to class today. And we're going to get into this. And we're learning deep, esoteric stuff. Like I warned you at the beginning of this chapter, but we could do it. We're going to work through it slowly. It applies to us. It has real, practical, relevant bearing on our everyday life. And it will change us for the good. It will get us in touch with our essence. It will allow us to shine. So let's backtrack for a little, okay? Chapter 35 started the idea of the importance of practical, physical deed. That's how Alter Rebbe started. That's how the Alter Rebbe started chapter 35, that he's going to explain to us la asaisai, to do it from the verse in the Torah. For this matter is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. It is of utmost primary importance that the actual deed gets done. And following down this path, the altar began to explore it and explain it and bring it depth and width. And he explained to us Hashem's desire in making this world. That Hashem desired to have an abode in the lowest realms, in a place where he is not naturally recognized, where a creature can be so low down and say, there is no God. A creature can say, my river is mine, I created myself. That's only possible in this world. Every other world has some level of recognition of the source. This world totally hides the source. And how we make a home for him is by taking the things of this physical world and using it in service of him, drawing down his divine light into it, and exposing the core of everything. That the core of everything really is only Hashem. We do that by using physical objects in service of Him and by using our physical body and our spiritual physical energy, which is our animal soul, channeling it all to serve Hashem. And in this way, we, we reveal the secret of this world that there's nothing else besides for Hashem. And the Altar brought this to a culmination at the beginning of chapter 38 where he told us we can understand the halachic principle, that hear her love kedibor demi, that meditation cannot be in lieu of verbal articulation. If somebody had all the proper intentions, but didn't say the actual physical words, their mitzvah, their prayer doesn't count. On the other hand, even though this is not the optimum way of doing things, if after the fact they said the words, but they didn't have the proper intentions, or they didn't have intention, the mitzvah still counts, except for in a few exceptional cases. And that's because the primary thing of importance here is the actual physical deed. So having come to that conclusion, we can say, okay, so kavana, intention, spirituality, feelings of love and fear, sublime sensations of the upper world, awareness, all of that amounts to nothing. Because all that matters is the physical deed. And the Altar Rebbe in chapter 38 said, oh no, that is not the case at all. Let's explore a statement of our sages. that They said that tefillah, that prayer without intention, not just prayer, but any mitzvah that is performed without intention is like a body without a soul. A body is a being of its own. It has its own existence apart from the soul. It has life force. But the life force in the body is minimal. On the other hand, the soul 
has a profuse amount of life force. And he said, this is compared to mitzvah and kavana. In order for there to be, for the soul to have value, for the soul to shine, there has to be a vessel. The body has to be there. In order for the mitzvah to have impact, there has to be the vessel. There has to be the spiritual deed. I mean, there has to be the physical deed. There has to be the physical enunciation of the words. That's the vessel that allows the soul to express itself. If the vessel's not there, the soul cannot find expression. But once the soul finds expression, once there is a soul within the vessel, then the soul in a certain aspect, in a certain regard, is much more lofty, much more sublime than the vessel. Because the soul expresses its core. The soul expresses that it's all about the divine. Whereas the actual physical deed could hide the fact that this is a revelation of Hashem. When there's soul in the mitzvah, when there's intention in the mitzvah, it becomes overt, it becomes apparent that this is all about connection to Hashem. So what we have to do now is we have to understand what is kavana, because there are a few different kinds of kavana. There is kavana, intention, that is just the basic meaning of the words or the prayers. There is kavana, that's intention, that's kabbalistic intentions, mystical unions. And the altar is not speaking of any of these intentions, not from any of those on that range. All of those intentions are still part of the body of the mitzvah. There is one basic, simple, undifferentiated kavana that the Alter Rebbe calls the soul of the mitzvah. And that's the intention to cleave to Hashem. When a person has this intention in mind that I am yearning to connect with Hashem, that I am in awe of Hashem, and out of that motivation then does a mitzvah, that motivation becomes the kavana, which is the soul of the mitzvah. Within the category of soul, there are two different kinds. There's the soul that's on the level of a human being and the soul that's on the level of the animal. The soul that's on the level of the human being has the characteristics of a human being. What's a human being? A human, who is a human being? A human, human being is someone who has the power of intellect and freedom of choice to generate new emotions based on their understanding. So a person can come to recognize the greatness of something or the awe-inspiringness of something. And based on their awareness, they can meditate until they produce, generate feelings in their heart in response to their intellectual awareness. When a person meditates upon Hashem's greatness and out of that awareness, he realizes how Hashem is so awesome, how Hashem is beyond anything he can understand, how Hashem loves him. All of these things that he understands about Hashem and he meditates upon, then generate feelings in his heart. And from those feelings, he then runs to do a mitzvah. That becomes the soul that's on the level of a human being who has freedom of choice and intellect. But the Alter Rebbe said, not everybody is capable of producing those kind of emotions. So what are they going to do? If they don't have the intellectual wherewithal, or they don't have the training, or whatever it is that's holding them back at this point, they can't make newly generated emotions. How are they going to love Hashem? What's going to be the soul of their mitzvah? What's going to be their kavana? The altar said, guess what? You don't have to make anything new. 
all you have to do is tap into your identity. You have to come to recognize who you are at your core. Who is a Jewish person? A Jewish person is someone who would never separate from Hashem. A Jewish person is somebody who has a divine soul. A divine soul is part and parcel of Hashem. How would a person turn their back on Hashem? They wouldn't. If they were brought to that moment of truth, where it was either separate from Hashem or die, throughout Jewish history, the overwhelming majority of Jewish people died, gave up their lives in martyrdom rather than turn their back on Hashem. And that's because that's their essential nature. They didn't have to be a religious person to do that. They didn't have to be a saint. In fact, the lowest elements of society, when brought to this test of faith in an inexplicable manner, gave up their lives rather than turn their back on Hashem. So Altrava said, realize that's who you are. Realize that you have a love that would cause you to give up your life, to suffer martyrdom, rather than turn your back on Hashem. Use that awareness to power your mitzvah. So while that may not be full-fledged feelings, in fact, it won't be full-fledged feelings in your heart. What is it going to be? It's going to be a strong conviction in your mind and a resonance in your heart. That will be the soul of your mitzvah. And that's going to be the soul on the level of the animal. And that's what started chapter 39. This is start to describe beings who operate on the level of the animal. And these are holy beings. These are powerful beings. These are passionate beings. These are the angels. Look at the vision of Yechaskel, who calls them the face of the ox, the face of the lion. These are instinctive beings who serve Hashem powerfully, but not out of intellectual awareness, simply out of emotional instinct. They have no other way. Just like a spider spins a web and a lion devours its prey, angels love Hashem. Angels fear Hashem, depending on their inborn nature. That's the way they serve. So if somebody can do no more than just call upon their natural instinctive love, then their service is at least as powerful as that of the angels and actually more, as we're going to see. And if somebody does manage to generate newly produced feelings based on their awareness and understanding, then they're way above the angels. And that's what the Alter Rebbe started off this chapter by saying, that the, that the abode of the angels is in the world of Yetzirah, and the abode of the souls of the tzaddikim who served Hashem with intellectual love and fear is in the world above that, and that's the world of Bria. And this is what the Alter Rebbe is now going to speak about in depth, the difference between these two worlds, the world of Yetzirah, and the world of Bria. Bear with me. Yes, we're going very Kabbalistic. And like we said before, all these four worlds exist right here. It's just which frequency you're in tune with. In order to be a part of that world, you have to have the antennas, the receptacles to tune into that world. Otherwise, you can be there, but you're not present because you don't have what it takes. Like, and I know this is not going to be scientifically accurate, but if you want to be part of the field of microbiology, you just got to be a bacteria or you don't know what's going on in the bacteria society. And if you want to be part of the, the, the field of the electromagnetic uh, spectrum, you're just going to have to be a microwave or a radio wave or something that makes you a member of that society. If you don't have what it takes, you could be there, but you don't even, you're not even aware. You're not there for all practical purposes. You're not present. You have no idea what's going on. So there are four worlds, one above the other. We're in the lowest world. We're in the world of Asiya. 
We're in the physical world of Asiya. And in this world, it's all about physicality. What's the natural? What's the primary? It's physicality. How do we relate to anything? Well, our spiritual soul is clothed in a physical body. And through the medium of a physical body, it can relate to this physical world. But there are worlds above that that have a different criteria of how do you be present in this world. And that's what we're going to explore right now. So we're on page two. Towards the bottom of the page. And this is where the Alterba starts to describe the difference between the two worlds. The Hevdel Shebeinahem, who... The difference between Bria and Yetzira is as follows. In Yetzira, only the Midais of the Blessed Ainsaif radiate, meaning only the Sephiris of Chesed, Kindness, Gevura, Severity, etc., meaning the love of him corresponding to Chesed, dread and fear of him corresponding to Gavura, and so on, with the other four Midas. So this world is a physical world. What's the environment of the world above us, the world of Yetzira? That's a world of emotions. Now, let's look at the four worlds for a second to understand what that means, that it's a world of emotions. The first world that's called a world is the world of Atsilos, the world of emanation. It's not really a world. Later on in Tanya, the Altarba calls it Eleikos Mamish, literally godliness. It's the first place where Hashem emanates from himself ten supernal sefirot with which to conduct the world. In that world, they're literally a part of him, totally fused and united with the infinite one, the Ein Saif, blessed be he. It is just that they take on now a certain form. So while Hashem has an infinite amount of possibilities, of course, in the world of Atzilus, he decided to have ten Ways, 10 distinct ways through which to relate to the worlds. These 10 sephiris are divided into four groups. So there are 10 sephiris, but we can divide them into four. These four divisions will correspond to the four letters of the name of Hashem. So the first letter of Hashem's name is the letter Yud. And in that category of the letter Yud is going to be the sephira of Chachma which is wisdom. It's that first flash of inspiration of really what's the unknowable and just the potential for something new out of the blue. And that Yud is going to correspond to or corresponds to the world of Atsilas. Below that is the letter He. The Sephira of Bina corresponds to the letter He. Bina means understanding. It is cogitation. It's the place where the idea is worked out. So Chachma is that flash of inspiration. It's like the male contribution to a child, which is that seminal point that has everything in it, but has not yet been differentiated. Bina is now the fleshing out of the idea. It's the female development of the child, where now the child is given body parts and it's that the child is fleshed out into human being. It's just not one seminal point. Now there are eyes and ears and a mouth and a heart, it becomes something big, like an idea. When you first have that genius inspiration, you know you have it, but you don't own it yet until you've spent the time to work out the depth and the length of the idea and you own it. That's cogitation. That's intellect. That's already where you own it. 
In the world of Chachma, the world of Atzilus, it's not even the world of intellect. It's a place beyond what you can understand. You don't own it yet. The proper way to describe intellect is really through Bina. That's where you've come to own the idea. And that corresponds to the world of Bria. Meaning, in the world of Bria is where Hashem's intellect, as it were, shines. That's the place where Hashem's intellect radiates. Below that is the letter Vav of Hashem's name. And there are a group of six Sifirot that correspond to the letter Vav. They are Chesed, Gevura, Teferas, Teferas, Netzach, Haid, Yesaid, just those six. So Chesed is, is kindness, Gevura is severity or self-restraint, Teferas is beauty, Netzach is perseverance, and Haid is humility, and Yesaid is foundation. Those six emotional attributes correspond to the letter Vav, and these radiate in the world of Yetzira, which is the world of emotion. And then finally, there's the last letter, Hey, and this corresponds to the last Sephira of Malchus. It corresponds to our world, the world of Asiya. This is the place where Hashem's sovereignty is felt, and the primary way of relating to Him is through accepting the yoke of heaven. So, Hashem's ten sephiris first emanate in the world of Atzilus. There are ten of them, but they are divided into four groups. And each one of these four groups finds expression primarily in one of the four worlds. Okay, with that in mind, we're looking at what the Alter Rebbe said, that in the world of Yetzira, Hashem's Midais radiate. Because we said the world of Yetzira is a world of emotions. That's where the letter Vav, the letter Vav is the primary letter. And the Altarabah now brings proof of this from the Kabbalah. As is written in Tikkun Zaihar and in Eitz Chaim, that the six Sephirites, the six Mides from Chasad through Yosaid, Nest, meaning they pervade the world of Yetzirah. So the altar is bringing proof for this idea. The Zohar says, the Kunizera says, the six Midot nest in Yetzirah. And what does that mean they nest? Just like a bird makes home in a nest. These Sifirot make home. That's where they are manifest. That's where they shine, specifically in the world of Yetzirah. So what does that tell us? That tells us that the world of Yetzirah is a world of emotion. It's a world where the sefirot, which represent Hashem's emotional attributes, as it were, radiate. That's the mode of operation in that world. If you want to be a part of that world, if you want to relate to that world, if you want to be part of that environment, how do you do it? It's through the emotions. And that's why that's the world of the angels. What are the angels? They're instinctive, emotional beings. That's their way of relating. That's their way of operating. And so they exist and they operate in the world of Yetzira. That's the world right about above ours. Okay, does anybody have a question about what we said so far? Yes. Yeah, so just with the sphere, I swear uh-huh. about Das is connected to a world. Yes, Das is going to be part of, Chachma Bina Das are going to be all represented through Bina in the world of Bria. Okay. We had this comic book in our house called Shikafitsky. I don't know if anybody has seen it. We don't have it anymore because the kids ripped it to pieces. I have to get it again. It is so cute. And it's all about these 
characters of a family. You know, it's like the brother who's out to lunch all the time, just in space and imagination, making a disaster, and the older sister who's so bossy and overbearing. And so one time, little Kahas, the imaginative little brother, is sitting in his ship, which of course is a cardboard box, and he's sitting on top of a wealth of cargo, which if you don't know anything what's going on, you might think that those are just a bunch of toys, but of course they are not. This is precious cargo, and he has a a paper towel, empty paper towel holder, which are his sailor's binoculars, and he's looking and he sees there's a storm coming up. Oh no, what is a responsible tailor what does a responsible sailor do in this kind of conditions? Of course he lightens the load of the ship. So he starts grabbing the the cargo that he has in his ship and he starts throwing it. Let's lighten this ship. Now, to somebody who has no idea what's going on, an uninitiated observer, he is just a crazy little boy making a terrible mess. And such an uninitiated person is his older sister who walks into the room and says, what in the world are you doing? You're making a terrible mess. Clean this place up right now. And he's looking at her blankly. And she says, why are you just staring at me like that? I said, clean up the mess. And in the comic strip, he has this blank expression. And you look in the next block, in the in the next box, and you see what he sees. Here he is on a foreign island, and there's a native woman who he does not recognize, wearing attire that is totally strange to him, speaking to him in a language that he does not understand. And in his thinking bubble, it says, I really wish I could help you, but I have no idea what you're saying. And I love that story because, you know, a lot of us, we kind of live in the same world, but not really because we're in tune to different places of existence. And this is all, of course, within the same physical, spiritual world. But imagine if we're really moving higher to realms that surpass and transcend our world. Then somebody of that world doesn't exist in, the, in another world. It's a language that we don't understand, a language that we don't recognize, and it seems like something so foreign. But of course, if a person can tap deeper into the essence of their soul, we should know that a part of our soul is connected to each and every one of the worlds. And it's how deep into our identity can we dig so that we can become in tune to levels of reality that transcend our basic physical world. For angels... Their natural space is the world of emotions. That's where they live. That's the way they operate. But a person who serves Hashem with emotions that are generated by instinct, their soul, after 120, relates to that environment too. They've operated based on instinct. They've generated emotions based on instinct or not generated. They've become in tune to emotions that are instinctive. That's their natural environment. That's their abode. That's where they live. That's where they relate. And so now the altar describes the service of the angels. Therefore, this is the service of the angels whose abode is in Yetzirah, as mentioned above. Constantly, never ceasing, day or night. To stand in fear and dread of Hashem. So in this world of Yetzirah, the angels are emotional beings. They have one valence, one meaning, and one mode of operation. They're not like us human beings who have intellect and can choose one day to have fear, one day to have love, 
one day a little more, one day a little less. Some people have better days and some people have even better days. Angels are just the same. No moods, no vicissitudes, no changes in, in character, all the same. This is his instinct. This is the way he loves. And he's constantly serving in that mode of service forever. That way. That's why angels are called standards. Because they don't progress. The way they are is the way they was. And that's the way they will always be. This refers to the entire host of angels under Gavriel, which is on the left. Left represents the media of Gavura, which evokes fear and awe. Therefore, all these angels stand in constant fear of God. So there are different camps of angels in this world of emotion. There are six emotions, right? There are two patriarchal emotions, if we're going to call it that. They are love and fear. And the rest of the emotions, the other four emotions, are just really shades or combinations of those two. So there's the camp of Gavriel. That stands on the left. That represents the emotion of awe and dread. And all these different angels have different nuances of awe and dread. That's the way they serve constantly. And then there's the other camp. The service of the host of angels under Michal, on the other hand, is love of God. They stand in constant adoration of godliness corresponding to the Midah of Chaset and so on. So then there's the other camp, the camp of Michal. They're also emotional. Their emotion is love. And there's going to be all different kinds of angels. Each one is going to have its own shade, its own nuance of love in this world of emotion. This is because the Midas constitute the dominant parts of Yitzira. The service of the creatures of Yitzira consists of emotion. Now, it's not for no reason that the angels are called with the face of a ox and the face of a lion. Because they are instinctive beings just like the animals down here. But furthermore, the animals down here actually devolve from their source in the divine chariot. So the ox down here is very different than its source, but it actually devolves from the, super, the ox in the supernal worlds, the angel Gavriel. And the lion down here too devolves from the, 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 uh, the angel that's like a lion upstairs, and that is the angel Michal. And therefore, Kabbalah explains that wild animals are passionate, have fervor. Their emotions are hot because they come from the right side. Their spiritual source is the right side, which is expressed with passion. On the other hand, domesticated animals come from the left side. And so therefore, the emotions of domesticated animals, and we're talking about oxen and cows and goats, they may have emotions too, and yes, you can see them, but they're going to be way more subdued than the emotions of the wild beasts because they come from the left side, and the left side is more about restraint. So it's just very interesting to make note of the fact that everything in this physical world devolves from a spiritual world and the qualities that it has now, like the sweetness of an apple, devolves from a spiritual source up above. So all this is true about the world of Yetzirah. The world of Yetzirah is a world of emotions. But in contrast, <speaking in Hebrew> 
ve'aim v'shayresh lahen. But in the world of Bria, radiate the Chachma, Bina, and Das of the Blessed Einsef, meaning the upper three Sefiris, Chabad of Atzilas, which are the source of the Midas and their mother and root. So the world of Yetzira is a world of emotion. That's where the angels reside. That's where they operate. That's where they serve. There's angels of love. There's angels of fear. They operate in that world of emotions. But the world, there's a world above that. There's a world of Bria. In the world of Bria, the Chachma, Bina, and Da'as, the three intellectual faculties of the supernal Sephiris, as if Hashem's emotion, uh, intellectual faculties radiate, and the service over there is very different. Now, a, a, a created being in no way can connect with Hashem. How are, is any created being able to connect with Hashem? Only by the light that Hashem shines down on that being. So because Hashem shines his emotional faculties on the angels of the world of Yetzirah, they have the capacity to connect with him through instinctive emotion. In the world of Berea, Hashem shines his intellectual faculties, as it were. So in that world already, the beings of that world, which turn out to be the souls of the tzaddikim, and then there are some angels in that world, have the capacity to relate to Hashem through the intellectual faculties, because that's the ability that Hashem gives them in that higher world of Bria. So now the altar is proving to us that the world of Bria is a world of intellect. As is written in Tikune Zaihar, that Ima Ila'a, meaning the supernal mother, which is the Sephira of Bina, described as mother, the mother of the world of Atsilas, nests, radiates in the throne, meaning the world of Bria with three Sephiris of Atsilas, Chachma, Bina, and Da'as. So the Zohar says like this, Ima ila'a mekanana bechorsia. The supernal mother nests in the throne. So let's unpack that sentence so we understand what that means. What is the supernal mother? Like we said, the faculty of Bina represents the mother. That's the idea of working out something, that initial flash that you got. Where does this faculty of Bina make home? Where does she nest? She nests in the throne. What's the throne? So Kabbalah explains that the world of Bria is the world of the throne. In order to understand this, let's look at the vision of Yechezkel Hanavi, Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. This is from the first chapter of Yechezkel. He describes, and on the likeness of the throne was a likeness like the appearance of a man above it, above. So what is a man? In the introduction to the Zohar, there's a passage that starts, Pasach Eliyahu, Eliyahu Anavi, Elijah the prophet, opened his discourse. And he starts speaking about these 10 supernal sefirot, which Hashem emanated from himself in order to conduct the worlds and relate to the worlds. And how he describes this sefirot, the sefirot is as follows. He says, Chesed raya yamina. Chesed is the right arm. Gevura draya smala. Gevura 
is the left arm. And he continues speaking about this. Furious, he says, Netzach v'hayd train shaykin. Netzach and Haid are the two legs. In other words, he describes these tens of firot in terms of the human body. So the man, these first ten sefirot, the supernal sefirot of Atsilas, are in the world of Atsilas. What is below the man? Below the man, as described in the vision of Yechaskel, is the throne. So the man is in the higher world, the world of Atsilas, and as you know for yourself, when you sit down on a chair, you lower yourself. And that becomes the world of Bria, which in Kabbalah is known as the world of the throne. And then below the throne are the animals, the holy chayot, the supernal beings, which are the, are the angels. And that becomes, the, that is the world of Yetzirah. So now we understand what it means when the Zayhar says, which the author of a quote right over here in Tanya, that ima ila'a mekanina bislasfirin bechorsia. That the supernal mother, which is Bina, nests, where does she find home? In the three sefirot of Corsia, which is the throne. Where is this throne? Where does Bina make her home? In the throne, which is the world of Bria. So this brings proof that in the world of Bria, Hashem's intellectual faculties shine. That is the mode of operation in the world of Bria, and then the Alter Rebbe says like this, what are the intellectual faculties? They are the source of the midot. They are the source of the emotions. They are their mother. They are their root. So this is also a great principle of Tanya. Remember, Chabad, which is the, the name of the Alter Rebbe's philosophy, stands for Chachma, Bina, and Da'as. The three intellectual faculties. What are the three intellectual faculties? They are the starting point of your emotions. The true way to have an emotion is by becoming aware of something, by meditating upon it, by owning it until it generates an emotion in you. But even if you're not going to do it in that pathway, this is all part of your spiritual journey, right? You want to have a relationship with Hashem. You think about Him. You own the idea. You have emotions based on that. Even as we operate as the human biological animal, we still need the thought process in order to produce emotions. Like, if you want to like chocolate cake, you first have to know that chocolate cake exists. It begins with a simple awareness. Any desire begins with a simple awareness. And awareness is in the mind. So the Alter Rebbe, in describing the words, the, the world of Bria, says that's the place where Hashem's Chachma, Bina, and Da'as radiate. And he says that they are the source, the mother, and the root of the emotions. Now, the Rebbe's father, Rebbe Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, in his work on Tanya, known as Lakute Levi Yitzchak, comments on three, these three terms that the Alter Rebbe employs. He says that they correspond to Chachma, Bina, and Da'as. He said the root of the emotions, the source of the emotions is Chachma. That's the initial flash of awareness. The mother of the emotions is Bina. That's where the idea is worked out. That's where somebody cogitates. That's where a person develops. And the root 
of the emotions is da'as. What's da'as? The Altar Rebbe explained in the third chapter of Tanya that da'as, knowledge, is from the same idea as Adam yada as chava. And Adam knew his wife Eve, which implies union. If somebody really wants to own an idea so that it's theirs and it's something that becomes a part of them, then fleeting imagination isn't going to work. They have to actually fix their mind, bind their mind to it until it becomes part of them. And that's what it means that da'as is the root because a plant has no standing, has no existence, has no life force if it doesn't have its roots firmly implanted. And so da'as becomes the root of the emotions because we all have emotions. But those emotions that we wanted to create, how long lasting are they? You know, all those self-help books, whether it's a marriage book or a parenting book, right? You read it and you're so inspired and that lasts maybe a day or if you're lucky a week and then whew, out the window. Why? What happened? Because you didn't own it. It didn't become yours. And that's true with everything. If you want to really own an idea so that it becomes yours and that becomes your emotions, then you have to have da'as, sit with it and make it your own. So these three terms, makar, the source, is chachma, aim, the mother is bina, and shiresh, the root, is da'as. So in the world of Bria, Hashem's chachma, bina, and da'as radiate. These are the source for the midas. And as we said, the altar brings proof from the Zaihar that the supernal mother, which is Bina, nests in the throne. And like we said, the world of the throne is Bria. The altar explains in a Hasidic discourse that the word Kise, Kise means a chair. It refers to the throne of glory. Stands for two words. Case, Aleph. The word Case is for kisoi, which means a concealment. And the letter Aleph represents Alufai Shel Ailam, the champion of the world, Hashem. What is this throne? It's the first place where Hashem lowers himself, as it were, to allow for an existence of quote-unquote an other. Really, there's nothing else besides for Hashem. And this hi- the highest world of Atsilos, indeed, there can be no being who has any sense of self-awareness. But below that, in the world of the throne, in the world of the Kisei, Hashem has already lowered himself, as it were. So as the, it's as if there's a possibility for the existence of another. And that's what it means. Kisei, case Aleph, Kisoi, a concealment of Alufay Shal'ilam, the champion of the world. Okay, so in this high world of Bria, where Hashem radiates his, his Chachma, Bina, and Das, his intellectual faculties, which as we, as we discussed, intellect is much closer to the self than emotions, right? We said last class, we talked about emotions allowing for another. And in fact, in order to have emotions, there has to be an existence outside of yourself. You can't show love unless there's somebody to whom to show love. On the other hand, in the world of intellect, it's really the self as it exists unto itself. And therefore, a person can ca- think about ideas without somebody else in the same room. And when they're really in that space, then the existence of another actually doesn't matter. And they don't get affected by emotions because they're in a place where the self is much more prominent. So too, the world of Bria is a much higher place because that's where Hashem, as it were, intellect radiates. 
And so in that space, it's much closer to reaching the core, that there's nothing else besides for Hashem. So the world of Yetzirah, the world of emotions, that's where the angels live. But where do the souls of the righteous live? And the Alter Rebbe says, V'lachein hu medar nishmais hatzadikim. Ayde Hashem bedechilu urechimu hanimshachais min habina vadas digdulas ensev baruchu. Because the, these three sefirot, Chabad, of the Ainsof, radiate in the world of Bria, it is therefore the abode of the souls of those tzaddikim who serve Hashem with a fear and love that stem from understanding and knowledge of Hashem's greatness. So it all depends where it comes from. The angels' emotions are instinctive. But the emotions of the tzaddikim who have intellectually generated emotions are intellectual emotions. And therefore, their proper place is in a world above the world of emotions, in the world of intellect, in the world of Bria. And there is a story of the Rebbe Rashab, Rabbi Shalom Dovber, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, or I don't call it a story, but he, he once said that when he starts, when he's praying and he's saying those blessings before Shema, and he's reading about those angels who are calling out, Kadosh, 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 holy, 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 the description of their service of Hashem, he said, I envy those angels. But when I get to Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Achad, the Jews' affirmation of Hashem's unity, I wonder, where have all the angels gone? And that really spells out this idea that the angels exist in the world of emotion. But a Jew who generates emotion based on freedom of choice, based on intellect, reaching in a space higher than that, not just instinct, but intelligence and choice exists beyond the angel. And in that world, where have all the angels gone? And Altarba explains this kind of love that was produced by intellect. This love being called Reusa Deliba, literally the heart's desire, meaning a desire created by intellect as mentioned above. And Rabbi Steinzalt explains these words of Reusa Deliba, the heart's desire, as follows. Anybody can practice an emotion. Sometimes you have to learn, you know, the way to act in this situation, the way to act in that situation, how to have this emotion so it requires training. How do I get it? What are the characteristics of it? Let's practice this. But then there's a different space where you come to a true awareness of something. And then the emotions are an automatic response, as it were. They well up from within. And that becomes the desire of the heart. It doesn't require practice. It's a natural follow of that deep awareness. So these tzaddikim, who have reached a level of deep intellectual awareness of Hashem's greatness, so much so that emotions spring forth from that awareness, their love is called re'usa deliba the desire of their heart. It's not something that they trained and practiced for. This is me and this is the emotion that I practice. No, I have a deep awareness and that emotion wells up from within me. It is my heart's desire. This is the emotion. These are the emotions that are created by intellect. From this Reusa Deliba, a garment is formed for the soul in the world of Bria, which is the higher Ganeden. As will be discussed further and as is written in the Zohar, Parshish Vayakal, the lower Ganeden is in Yetzirah, the higher Ganeden is in Bria.
So what happens? A person in this world meditates upon Hashem's greatness. And from that, he generates emotions. Those intellectually produced emotions are called Reusa Deliba, the desire of the heart. That Reusa Deliba, that desire of the heart, produces garments for the soul to exist and relate to a higher environment. What does that mean? Like we said, you can't be part of that world unless you have the makeup of that world. The Zohar says that the clothing, that mitzvahs generate clothing for the world of Yetzira, and from Reusa de Liba, clothing are formed for the world of Bria. There's a story told about a coarse wagon driver who lived not especially moral life and didn't keep much of the Torah and mitzvahs. But one day he was driving his wagon and he noticed a bunch of stampeding horses pulling a wagon behind full of people about to go off a cliff. And he endangered his life, jumped off his own wagon and stood in front of the stampeding horses and actually stopped them and saved all those people's lives. Now he gets to the next world. And what are they going to do with him? On one hand, he didn't live a moral life. He didn't actually belong in Gan Eden. On the other hand, he saved not just one person's life, which the Talmud says that anybody who saves a life is as if they saved an entire world. He saved many people's lives. What are they going to do with him? Now, it's not an issue of smuggling him into Gan Eden. If you would drag him into Gan Eden where he didn't belong, he wouldn't exist there because he doesn't have the characteristics to relate to that world. Smuggling him into Gan Eden is like smuggling a deaf man into a concert. What's it going to help? He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't relate. He doesn't even hear the sounds. Never mind appreciate the music. So they said, we need to reward you. What can we do? What do you love? He said, I love a good horse. I love a smooth wagon. And I like infinite roads. And they said, there you go. You don't just get one horse. You have six horses. Here's a handsome wagon. And ever since then, he's riding a smooth road into infinity. That's his gun agent because he doesn't know anything better. In order to relate to a world, you need to have the properties of that world. How does a tzaddik exist in the world of Bria? Because he has the properties. He created a garment when he was in this world. Our mitzvahs don't just earn us Gan Eden. They actually create our Gan Eden. And when a tzaddik generates emotions based on his intellect, he creates a garment for his soul, as the Zohar explains, that gives him the characteristics and capabilities of relating to the world of Bria. It's, it's, it corresponds. His intellect is what created those garments, and so he gets to be in a world where Hashem's intellect radiates. So let's wrap up what we said until now. And we are discussing the difference between angels who serve Hashem instinctively and Sadiqim who serve Hashem based on freedom of choice, freedom of choice and intellect. Angels who serve Hashem instinctively ab- ab- abide in the world of Yetzira. That's the world where Hashem's emotions shine. That's their natural environment. That's where they exist. Tzadikim, on the other hand, generate emotions based on their intellect. And so their service generates something that allows them to exist in a higher world. Not just the world where Hashem's emotions 
radiate. They exist in the world where Hashem's intellect, as it were, radiates. And that's the higher world of Berea. They exist way above the angels. So next class, Brothers Hashem, we're going to talk about that it's not just Sadiqim who get to be a part of that world, but actually all Jewish people who exercise their freedom of choice to serve Hashem, even just through instinct, have a relationship to that world too, and they get to be there at some times. And then I'd like to remind you that, yes, we're talking about existing in this world and existing in that world and relating to this environment, but essentially the core of the soul is beyond all of the worlds. And we are really rooted in Hashem's essence. But here we're talking about levels of consciousness that we can tap into, not just in this life, but in the higher worlds.